Welcome to Pivoting to Web3. Our experiences, opportunities, limitations, and downward spirals with guests and our hosts are going to be vulnerable to you, our audience. We're looking forward to talking to you, sharing with you, and getting educated. So once again, this is Donna Mitchell, host of Pivoting to Web3. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Pivoting to Web3 Podcast. And I have a very exciting guest for you. And she's a little bit different than what we've had in the past because she is interested in AI and seniors, but AI overall. But it was her background that caught my eye. I'm going to let her introduce herself. As you know, I like my guests to introduce themselves to the world. So Lucia Dorr, I would like you to say hello to all our listeners. Hi, I'm Lucia. I'm based in New Zealand, in Dunedin, New Zealand, which is on the South Island. I have lived in the UK for, number, for about 18 and a half years, and then I was in the Middle East for about eight years, eight and a half. And I was head of a newswire service, so I'm an investigative financial journalist. Um, so I know a lot what's happening around the world and different things. I have a website which deals with um, the issues of the Middle East and the Pacific disruptive technologies and financial services that I also wrote last year. I'm focused on AI with a colleague called a book called Seniority, How IT and Tech Can Enhance Senior Living. And so I was interested in looking at how tech how seniors can use um, tech. And, you know, now it's slightly broader than that and the cultural issues involved with that. I mean, at the time I got into that, I was living with a lot of seniors at the time. Um, my father was ill, so I was at the country club with him. So mm -hmm. I was, you know, sort of involved with a lot of seniors and I could see how they were interacting or weren't interacting with technology because they could only see it was a bad thing. Well, let me ask you this, because I've been very curious. Being a senior myself, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of benefits with seniors. There's a lot of things they could do or a lot of things that will help them write their stories and their memories or things they wish they did or whatever's been inside of them over the decades. For me, it seems with some of the seniors that I know that might bring in new opportunities. Can you tell us or share with us some of that impact or yeah, well, observations? The, the book was really based on the benefits that seniors could get from using IT. And a lot of that was involved, particularly in, in the health sector. You know, the fact that everything is more, um, is all hooked up to technology and they they can determine sickness much better than before and also day-to-day -day living i mean a lot of the time people are using technology and don't know don't know it for example even fridges that open and, and if it's left open there's noise induction ovens the fact that they make noise if water is spilled on it um, you can leave a house and it can all be geared, it could be alarmed because of 
AI and technology. And that's really what I was looking at. I was looking at some of the things to do with wealth, some of the um, different um, systems that could be used with wealth. Well, tell us a little uh, bit about that. What kind of systems can be used with wealth? Well, I'm sure everybody you know, listening might want to know a little bit. Yeah, the fact that people can go, um, they might want to trade, and therefore they can go online and trade shares. And they can also track um, the way the companies work. They can, if they are so inclined, they can go into cryptocurrency it's not my thing at all cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and bitcoin but it's something that may interest them and the ins and outs of that and that's very much um technology that's based on ai so if once people are conversant with a computer and getting around it there are many things that they can do to ensure that they're checking they can also do remote if they want to do any remote work Mm -hmm. For example, remote tutoring or something like that. They could do it. They don't have to leave their homes. They can do it. We, I looked at online banking, I mean, which is a huge benefit for seniors because they can get everything paid into their account automatically. They can do everything automatically without leaving their homes. Now, what was interesting was because my mother, who was about 80, she had absolutely refused anything to do with technology, and she would still go into a bank to deposit. So let me ask you something. To deposit money, which seemed you – know, my father was exactly the opposite, and he was 87, and he would do everything online. So with that said yeah. – you mentioned everything about being online, which we've been doing over the last few decades. Everything's online, or you may have an app on your phone. But when we talk about AI and AI and the seniors, I'm kind of curious on how does the AI really change things or moves it forward in a different way with the systems and emerging technologies that you mentioned? Well, I think I don't know that AI has changed too much in banking, but it certainly has a technology as well. But AI has helped in some financial services. I have given some examples of that in banks in terms of queuing. For example, they can determine how old you are from your voice or um, I don't know where you're calling from. They can work it out and therefore you can be further up in the queue. Oh, really? So you don't have to wait as long. Yeah. So oh, they okay. can. So the call distribution like system is using AI now. Yeah. Oh. Now so it can, it can, um, oh, a number of companies are using it, you know, right across the board, corporates. Um, and I've forgotten the company name, but they, there is a queuing, you know, you can be moved up the queuing system and that can happen in banks. The fact that bank, banks use AI, I suppose, for, for voice recognition. The fact that you can call up and you can identify yourself by using voice rather than anything else makes it easier as well. You don't have to push a lot of buttons anymore. And people <laughs> That's don't true. Like buttons. Well, with your travels and everything and, and your research with your book, what would you say that you have learned 
that really surprised you about your research with AI and seniors or other populations? And the AI well, in general, I, what surprised you? I think the the biggest thing was the cultural issues. The fact that people think of technology and AI very differently in different countries. Oh. And there is there is a research institute in France who's looking at that. You could say because so AI is a is a programmed and is programmed generally by white men. So in the Western world, what happens if you're Eastern world and you might want different answers, you might see different things, you know. Um, what, the fact that Indigenous people may have a different view of what technology can do for them and it's not programmed for that. So there are quite a lot of issues. I was quite interested by that. And the person who was involved, who, who has put together an institute in France, um, he had been in the Air Force, I think the French Air Force, and he said that was really noticeable for him in different countries, the way they use technology because they wanted different outcomes. Well, that does remind me of a conversation that I had recently about ethics and morals and biases with AI. So you're really adding on the 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 what what nobody's really saying out loud. Who's really feeding the AI, and why we get the outcomes that we do? So no, we get the outcomes because of the people. It's inherently biased, and I suppose if somebody wants to have a certain outcome, they can put in certain inputs. So while you were traveling, and everything that you learned from that experience with. The gentleman in France and the biases, ethics, morals, governance, where do you see it really going? Where do you see it, it your perspective, really I think going to in the future? I think there'll be a long, there's a long way to go before we can embrace entire populations. At the moment, people are talking about chat GPT, but that is really machine learning. It's dragging everything up from the internet. And then we have to still put our view on that. We still have to know what's right and what's wrong, what's correct and what's not. It's not all correct because all they're getting, dragging up everything from the internet. And I think that's what has to change. Um, so I think it'll be a long way before there are robots that can deal with different cultures. At the moment, they deal, there are certain outcomes and they achieve that. But we need new people that are involved. I don't think a lot of people necessarily are, but I think that um, we talk about generative AI now, mm -hmm. but I think it'll be a long time before um, the movements of people can be really emulated. And I think that they need to really look at a lot of the cultural issues before they can go forward. So 
I don't know if that's really going to stop AI or not. And it's not my place to really express my opinion on that point. But in the financial world, where you've done a lot of work, got a great experience at that uh, financial piece, what do you see changing in that space? I know they have definance and they're using AI in a lot of different sectors. Do you have any yeah, insight on what's taking place on the financial side only? Yeah, they are doing more on, um, well, particularly the Middle East. In, in fact, it's they're trying to create a hub for technology. And what they're doing are creating companies that can tap into the technology to make it easier for the consumers in terms of banking, on in terms of being able, whether it's right or wrong, they determine through AI who can get loans and who can't, who oh. is financially sound and who's not. Now, you can question, is that right? Should a robot be, or, you know, AI, should a chatbot be determining that rather than um, a personal interaction? So a lot of people saying, oh, we should go back to the old times, but I think it's gone too far forward. There's a lot of technology that's being done to try and disrupt financial mm -hmm. services, particularly in Asia Pacific, where it's also growing very quickly because they're adopting a lot of new technology from China. Singapore, Singapore's quite ahead in adopting um, the technology, just bringing in companies that are trying to um, bring new energy to financial services mm -hmm. and make it easier for consumers overall, whether a lot of it's in trading, and trading, it often goes back to Bitcoin or the cryptocurrencies, but it's developing that and making them more accessible to the to a, to the consumer and more understandable. At the moment, mm -hmm. I don't think any of it's very understandable. So that's where it's really. At I think I was reading that in Asia Pacific, it's so there is growth of about twenty three percent or something. Maybe might be more in Asia Pacific and disruptive technologies and financial services, or looking at AI and the different approaches they could take. The companies are being funded heavily by the VCs on that. So that was quite a bit of information on what's happening over in Asia Pacific. What about governance? Have you have any insight on what's happening with governance? Are some of the countries moving faster than other beyond Asia Pacific, anybody in Europe or? I think in Europe, they, Europe and the United States, they are probably looking at governance more quickly. I think governance will have to come from something like who or some international organization um, um the trade organizations perhaps because mm -hmm. of the trade but at the moment i don't think each 
country is looking like the governance in New Zealand, the governance in the UK. It's all individual, but I think there needs to be uh, some international um, organisation who looks at that, probably from the United Nations. So you mentioned your book a little bit earlier. I want to go back to that. How did you go about realizing that you wanted to do something in seniority with seniors? How did you really come into that topic, AI, for bringing it in the forefront of seniors? You're the first one that I have met that's really focused on the senior piece of doing something in that arena. Well, what we looked at, we were looking at seniors very generally. I mean, and at the moment, there are a lot of, you know, with seniors fall or age, you know, com- um, organisations that deal with seniors, you know, playing, how they interact, lonely. But there weren't, there wasn't anybody who was specifically looking at IT that we could identify. They would look at that as a component of something else. Right. And we thought, well, it's growing so quickly and we really want um, to know what's happening on um, both with IT and AI that we would do, we would look at that. I had actually also been dealing with um, AI in journalism in the Middle East with one of the offices. I was mm-hmm. still in New Zealand, but I was working with an office there on journalism, etc. So I learned quite a lot about that. And I thought, well, it should be expanded out to look at how seniors interact. And at the time, I was also living in a retirement village with my father, and I could see mm-hmm. how some people were really taking to technology and some weren't some wouldn't even touch it and yet they use it all the time but they don't want to acknowledge that technology is very much part of their lives and so as a consequence of all that and my my colleague at, who was dyslexic and was using technology to make it easier for her we hit upon tech we thought well technology is the way forward so with the AI, you were in the journalism space and you mentioned that you learned a lot about the AI in journalism. How are they utilizing AI in the uh, journalism media space? Right? In newsrooms, they people think, oh, our job's going to be taken away, but it's not as simple as that. In newsrooms, they're being used to perhaps sort out press releases to do the more mundane tasks they can get AI to do, and journalists, and they can have fewer of them, can focus on more important tasks. They can go out, they can interview people. So they're freed up from the day-to-day tasks. And so there is more um, focus on that, particularly there is a unit looking at AI journalism from the London School of Economics. And they look at that specifically about, you know, about the development of AI. We also, it was used more probably just um, um, by people in writing their stories in the fact that they can write stories more quickly, they can get information more quickly, and then they can make it their own. And, and that's the exciting two, piece. 
areas. Yeah. So it's not all bad by any, you no, know, there are ways, it's the way we want to use the technology rather than the, what the technology is. If it's used badly, yes, it can be bad, but it can have good outcomes if it's used well. I say that all the time. There's good and bad actors in every space, and there's a lot to be said on the positive side for Web3, AI, and the emerging technologies. So going forward, I know you have the book. You've done a lot of traveling. Um, What are some last insights that you want to share with us before we close and tell us how people can reach out to you? Well, I'm working with somebody in, in Australia now who is an expert on AI, and we've been writing about um, the cultural biases and uh, different things. I've, in fact, got a Learn Business English course, and AI, I'll write a module on that, looking at how AI can be used in business. And only yesterday, um, something came through from Harvard Business School about the efficiency that businesses were generating because of AI. And I think that's what we have to remember, that AI can be beneficial and it isn't all bad. And you can get hold of me um, generally. I have my own website as well as Behavioral Shift and other ones, but it's Lucia. Lucia. Oh, no, I've forgotten. It's L-U-C-I-A door.co.com. NZ. Say yeah. that again. Say that then, one more time. Lucia, L-U-C-I-A-D-O-R-E dot co dot NZ. And then it has the other websites and has some AI on that one as well. What and I'm, everyone listening, if you didn't catch that, it will be on Pivoting to Web3 podcast. Of course, as you know, our guests have a page that has all their contact information and a nice summary with the show notes. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Pivoting to Web 3 with Lucia Dore. And I look forward to seeing you, chatting with you, and continuing to shape tomorrow together. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Pivoting to Web 3. At pivotingtoweb3.com, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that it gets to you with every episode that comes out. We have lots of great opportunities, limitations, and downward spirals being revealed by our guests. And thank you in advance for all your reviews and comments. I appreciate you so much. I look forward to serving you in the next week's episode.